0: Show me the money. This is the MoneyWeb Be a Better Investor podcast. Picking the brains of professional investors on their investment strategies, successes, and mistakes. Your host, Rick Funicka. Welcome to this week's edition of the Be A Better Investor podcast. My name is Rijk van Niekerk and in this podcast series I speak to leading investors in South Africa about their investments and we also try to peek into their personal investment portfolios to see how they put their own views into practice and we try to get a sense of how they analyze investment opportunities, what shares and assets they invest in, and whether they have more hits than misses and the idea is to identify a few golden nuggets of wisdom to help amateur retail investors to become better investors my guest today is vanessa van vieren now she's a portfolio manager and an equity analyst at Sunlam investment management and she has been with Sunlam for more than 16 years she's especially known for her research in the small and mid-cap space and she co-manages the Sunlum Small Cap Fund, which has performed very well relative to its peers, especially in the current difficult economic climate. She also co-manages the Sunlum Equity Fund. Vanessa, thank you so much for your time today. First of all, tell us about your background. Where did you grow up and when were you first exposed to investments?
1: Thank you. Thank you. It's lovely to chat to you. So looking far back now, I grew up in Cape Town, actually in the northern suburbs of Cape Town. And when I went to UCT, I was exposed a little bit there to the financial markets, um, just through my business science degree. And it did ignite a passion in me. And then I tailored my studies over time to that. I did a portfolio management course. And then when I got into the industry, I actually had a combination of a psychology background as well as a business science background. And so it was a little bit tricky to break into the traditional investment houses. But I did get an opportunity at ASIS, Asset Management, You know, from that point, it's just I realized I was in the right place and I absolutely loved the exposure to the markets and I've never looked back. So, yeah, it's an amazing career and I would recommend it to any young aspiring people to consider this as a long term career.
0: When did you buy your very, very first share? And I must immediately add with your own money. When did you buy it and what was it?
1: Sure, that's going quite far back. I think one of my first shares that I bought, this is a long time ago, was a company called Adapt IT. I'm not sure if you guys would remember. It was very small, small cap. It was below the radar. And... It was a tech business it's now subsequently been delisted and taken out in the last while but yeah it ended up being a very successful investment for me in a personal capacity but having said that Rick, there's been plenty of disasters along the way as well we're
0: going to talk about those in a minute but you specialize in small caps now most professional investors would look at small caps but the main focus would be at the larger companies with more established track records. When and why did you decide to rather focus on the smaller companies on the Jay-Z?
1: It was just by design when I joined the industry that I was looking at some of the smaller cap companies. So I kind of started out in that process. And as it developed and evolved, I just realized that when I compared my experience analyzing small and mid-cap companies versus the large cap companies, it was just so much more exciting in the small and mid-cap side because there is so much less research out there You'd have to develop a very close relationship with management. You've got to understand the businesses really well. So you get into the trenches and you have to get very intimate with each investment case. So it's a fantastic learning ground from an investment learning point of view to sharpen your skills on analyzing businesses to invest in. So, you know, from that point, I've always held a candle for small and mid-cap investing. I've always felt stimulated and excited by it. It's challenging. I mean, you can make a lot of mistakes, but out of those mistakes come enormous learning. So... You know, I think large cap investing is also challenging, and you do have the assistance of a lot of research and views out there, which can also challenge you because you can have a herd type of mentality that develops. But having said that, yeah, I mean, I still believe that in the smaller mid cap space, you're going to pick up the most mispricing opportunities. So it remains for me the most exciting area of the market.
0: If you read any investment book, the core advice would be buy good blue chip companies and keep those shares forever. Is that the same approach you should have when you look at smaller caps? Because I would imagine many new young investors would like to invest in the Capitex of the world when they are still very, very small. Do you take a different approach?
1: No, I mean, my experience in smaller market has been to have very long-term views. So I completely concur with, I think that in this game, in the small cap side, you have to have A long-term stomach. You have to have a a long investment horizon because many of these companies are actually evolving and changing so much. They're not established businesses in the sense that they're mature, and and you can then take that sort of perspective on the stock. So I would say you've got to have a long-term horizon. You've got to have a stomach for some serious volatility and you've got to write it out. I mean, most of the, the the investment cases where we've made the most returns in our portfolios have come from sitting on stocks for, you know, sometimes up to 10 years plus. I mean, you mentioned I've been at Sunnam for more than 16 years earlier. So, in that experience, you know, there have been companies that we've held for many, many years in order to harvest that upside. It's not a short-term game. I think in large caps, you can take more shorter-term views than you can in smaller mid-caps. I think you have to be very patient on this end of the market.
0: So, if If you are a young investor, you would like to build a portfolio, you would like to build a wealth for you and maybe your family, when you start to invest, you've opened up your account, maybe at Easy Equities, should you start to look at small caps immediately as part of your whole investment journey?
1: My advice to any investor coming in and building their own personal portfolio is to definitely have a diversity kind of way of thinking. So you've got to diversify your exposure. I wouldn't go just into small caps and say, I'm only going to you know, hold those shares and concentrate my portfolio in three or four shares. I think you have to come in with an idea that you need some degree of diversity in your financial exposure. And it's going to take time to build up your portfolio over time. So you've got to start with the idea that you would have to look at diversifying more than ten to fifteen stocks over time. Initially, you know, in the smaller mid cap space, it is an area that you can take a lot of long term exposure to. But I do think that balancing that with some larger cap gems, you know, your very traditional compounders, let's say your old stocks like your Shoprite and your Clicks and those sorts of businesses that you know that sit and they compound and they've got strong market shares. It's a balance between the two, and then you can. Have a little portion of your portfolio that's exposed to these newer ideas that you think are going to grow substantially over the next 5 to 10 to 15 years. So for me, it's diversity all the way, diversification all the way.
0: So how would a, a young investor look at small caps to identify the gems to hold over the long term? Is there a different way to analyze the investment potential of those stocks relative to just following the herd, investing in the Remgros and Capitex and the Anglos of the world?
1: I'm going to say there's no shortcuts in this game so the reality is for any investor to invest in a company they must have some idea of what they're doing, whether it's a small cap or a large cap and i mean i have my own golden rule around when i analyze a small or mid cap i apply the same rigor and discipline to the way i would approach an anglo-american or a bhp bulletin even though that's a much bigger business to analyze The idea is that you need to understand what you're investing in. So the first thing I would avoid is like the penny stocks and the sensation. I think that for me is a risky strategy. There are people that make a lot of money out of that and can time the market and stuff. But I would avoid that. I would focus on... You know, read a couple of annual reports. If you pick a particular business that you're interested in, let's say like a Curo or, you know, aerobics or something like that, you go and you understand the business, read a few annual reports, get a sense of the, the how the business has grown, how the management have managed that company. And you need to immerse yourself in that before you actually bet your own personal capital. That would be my advice to any investor starting out there. Do some research and understand what you're buying. Definitely.
0: You co-manage the small cap fund at Sunlum. Just give us a sense of the top five holdings you have, just to give us a taste of the companies which hold your attention.
1: We have a fairly low turnover on this portfolio. It's quite a consistent portfolio through time. We don't chop and change a lot. We take, you know, very long-term views in the fund. So if I look at our top 10 at the moment, it's quite consistent with what we've had for a long while. You know, stocks like famous brands, they come up over and over in our top 10. It's a fantastic business. It's derated substantially, to some degree, still recovering the very back end of COVID. So there's a little bit of a theme in that. But we're looking for these kinds of investments that are very high quality, have very strong brands, even though they're considered small and mid-caps. They're actually very established businesses. So, I mean, I'm just looking here quickly. Famous Brands is one of our big holdings. City Lodge Group is another one of our big holdings in our top five. Roynet is a classic example where... We believe that we've tried to position the portfolio in a way that's going to be slightly more insulated in a macro context because we know that the macro is super challenging. We're not going to get any help from general GDP broad growth. So we need to look for stock specific ideas. And then companies like Pick and Pay, you know, it's also in our top five. It's a beaten down stock. It's been completely hammered on the load shedding theme. And just, you know, what's happening with the food retailers. They're not getting any sort of tax rebates, et cetera, like the food manufacturers are. So they're bearing the full brands of running their stores through stages, anything between four and six now at the moment. And that's costing them. So you are seeing quite a bit of value emerging on the food retailers. Our top pick there is a company like Pick and Pay, which sits in the mid-cap space and is down... 30-40% over 12 months and we see substantial value in the investment case. So, these are the kind of ideas we're looking for in our top five. It must have a quality ring to it, but it must also have quite a bit of valuation upside for us to take a constant position.
0: But there's a big difference between value and, you know, long-term growth. South Africa is in many ways seen as a value trap in many sectors. I think the most notable one would be the banks. The share prices are really really cheap, but they don't seem to actually, you know, fulfill their value potential. So how long do you hold on to a stock? For example, pick and pay, which is not only facing problems from a load sharing perspective, but also from a competition perspective, because their peers are performing really, really well. And I'm thinking of ShopRite and Woolworths here.
1: Yes, 100%. And our fundamental starting point is the, the intrinsic value. So we look at what we believe the investment case is worth on a through-the-cycle basis, and in some cases, you are going to invest in companies that are just pure upside. Where the growth prospects are not compelling as maybe a very, very small company that's nascent and is developing and evolving, but it's a valuation argument. So there's a blend between those. And then you'll get a company like a Cura or a disc game, which we believe has got a lot of growth runway potential. So, you know, there's a demand for their product. There's a consolidation. You can see a theme around growth that is, divorced from the broader economic macros. It'll be affected at the market, but you can see that thesis play out. So it's about picking a blend of those ideas. So something like a pick and pay has got its challenges, but the valuation is just so complex. Even on our bear case scenario, there's upside. So we close our eyes and we hold it at least for three to five years. That would be our view. And then we believe we're going to make substantial money over that time frame.
0: Do you believe in averaging, which means that As a share declines or drops in value, you continue to buy to reduce your average price. You've paid for it. Do you believe in averaging?
1: Depends on the investment case. I mean, there are definitely examples of where we've gone in too early. And then as this price has fallen further and we really have high conviction in the investment case, we've continued to average down in terms of our in costs. It would totally depend on the investment case and what our level of conviction is. And again, one must also have the discipline of not being married to your ideas. So if, for example, you've bought something and you realize you've made a mistake, Cut your losses. You know that's my view. Is I don't think that you should hold on to it and be stuck and and anchored in your old view. That's also very important for investors to be aware of. Is is be pragmatic on what's happening around you. what's sort of how things are evolving. If an investment case has died, acknowledge that. Sell even if you're selling at a loss and exit. Mm-hmm. So I would say you know, that would be my approach. So it's a little bit of both, but it does depend on each investment case.
0: It's a difficult decision to make because it's contrary to many investment books and the investment advice you would get from financial managers, you know, hold on and in the long term it should perform well and sometimes also difficult to take emotion and ego out of selling a dog because you've made a mistake. Let's talk about your personal portfolio. You are a professional investor, you manage a big portfolio of funds, but in many ways the risk profile of those funds do not match your risk profile and the risks you are willing to take in your personal capacity do you have your own personal portfolio and how do you view risk
1: i do indeed Ray. it's very interesting because if i look at the read across from the portfolios that i manage in practice for on behalf of clients and in my own money i actually can see that there's quite a high degree of consistency And I do think that that's a function of where you have built up a skill and where you feel comfortable and you trust yourself. You should reflect the ideas on both sides. Obviously, when one deals with their own personal funds, you have more latitude in terms of maybe your duration of underperformance. You may take a longer period that you can stomach that downturn. Then maybe your clients have an appetite for. So one has to be cognizant of that risk. But I mean, if I look at my own portfolio, I mean, I'm sitting on about 18 to 20 shares in my personal portfolio. So it's broad, it's a diversified portfolio. And many of my holdings are present across all of the portfolios that I manage. So I'm very consistent with what I believe in other opportunities and what my clients should benefit from. Mm. And obviously, When you're analyzing those companies yourself, your degree of conviction can be very high. So then you can translate those ideas on both sides. The key difference being that I think that in your personal portfolio, one can take a very, very long-term horizon. And you'd be happy to hold it over 10 to 20 years, perhaps, versus maybe 5 to 10 years for your clients' um, horizon, which you'd need to ascertain.
0: What is the split between large caps and small caps within that portfolio?
1: If I look at my portfolio at the moment, it is predominantly small and mid-caps in my personal portfolio. I do have a smattering of large caps and those would be, you know, where I've got very high conviction. But my feeling is that if I look at this market at the moment, I mean, smaller mid-caps are offering substantially more value than the broader markets. Even though we've had this re-rating post-COVID, so if you look at we're annualizing sort of a three-year base off the COVID bottom where smaller mid-caps got completely hammered, there is still a huge amount of upside. And that's because of the point we were chatting about earlier before we started the Was The SA Inc. narrative is extremely negative. So we don't have foreigners buying our markets. Our in- existing incumbent investors are tired and fatigued of the negative macro backdrop, the load shedding overlays. All these aspects are driving at the high interest rates. So it's not an ideal environment from an overall backdrop point of view, but that's the ideas that are being generated in terms of the underlying stocks. So these negative times is what's giving me the best opportunity. So if I look across my my portfolio, it's very much tilted more towards smaller mid-caps, but I do have a few large caps, again, coming back to that discipline of being diversified and making sure that you are including larger ideas that are very, very defensive in the longer run.
0: You've earlier said in the small cap fund at Sunlam, the main holdings are Famous Brands, Pick and Pay, City Lodge and Roinit. I would assume those counters also appear in your portfolio.
1: They're all in my portfolio, definitely, 100%. I mean, if I look at my top 10 personal holdings, they would 100% correlate close to all my top 10 in the small cap fund. And that's because, you know, I've got the conviction. So why would I not buy it myself if I believe there's huge upside for my clients? Mm. I think that's important discipline to have. Yeah.
0: Now, let's talk about the biggest winner you've ever bought and also the biggest dog, the one you are sometimes ashamed of to mention, one of the biggest mistakes you've made because every single professional investor, you know, have winners and they definitely also have losers. So let's start with your best investment ever. What was it?
1: Okay. So I have to tell you, my best investment actually has been Sun International. (laughs) (laughs) It's quite an interesting one. I mean, I basically, I picked it up in the COVID, remember when COVID hit Mm. in 2020 and the casino shut down and, you know, they basically got... Sold of completely. So I bought Sun International around eight Rand a share, which was like the all time bottom. And, you know, I've made, you know, multiples of my money back. So that's been one of my best calls. And then, you know, you've got to bring up one of the worst calls. You know, one of my worst PA calls has been a company called Advanced Health. It's a very much a fledgling stock, it's not in the mainstream, it's a small daycare hospital business. And, yeah, I mean, I've lost a lot of money on that. So that was just one of those examples where it was a very deep J curve for the business. At the moment, the business is actually being taken out. There's an offer to minorities. But even with that offer to minorities, it's still I'm still deeply underwater on the investment case. It had a lot of promise, but it didn't pan out over the last few years, just given the stresses in the economy. I think the fight back from the acute hospitals, it's just been a it's been a lot deeper a J curve in South Africa than we had anticipated. So that's an example of one we have lost a lot.
0: If I remember correctly there was a lot of management conflict within advanced health and very unhappy shareholders. Does that play a role in the way you value a company?
1: It definitely does. I mean, at the time when we invested in advanced health, that was not so much an issue. We were really buying the structural investment case in the long run. We felt that day hospitals had a really good fighting chance in the South Africa, given the global examples in the U.S. and Australia, those markets where you've seen it take off. So, I mean, I think you have to, over time, what's developed, you know, some of those political things that developed that you've mentioned, I mean, those things are important to stay on top of. So when you start to see corporate governance aspects, issues coming up and whatever, you have to be, you have to make a call on that in your portfolio. And I think that's very important. Management and corporate governance aspects are very important in the small and mid-cap landscape, 100%.
0: Then just lastly, what would your advice be for a 20-something year old who would like to start investing And to build a portfolio, what advice would you have for that individual?
1: I think my advice would be to go into it with a mindset of not treating this as a sideshow. Take it seriously, do the work that's required. You know, it's not everybody's passion. If you don't like doing the detailed work, then buy a fund, you know, outsource it to someone who you believe has got credibility and a track record. But don't try and, like, you know, pick one or two. Of your own idiosyncratic or nuanced experience of a particular brand. Let's say you like shopping at Woolies or you like Checker sixty sixty, and then you decide, okay, well, I like this, so I'm going to buy the investment case.
0: You can't do that.
1: You have to understand each business and you have to do the work. So that would be my my advice: is put the time into it and the effort into it, and then don't concentrate in one or two shares. Like take a five to ten stock starting point, identify the areas of the economy that you're attracted to or you believe. In well and then pick the stocks in that and you know make sure you always diversify so that you don't have your eggs all in one basket because unfortunately with equities you have to spread
0: the risk vanessa thank you so much for your time today and for sharing your insights with us thank you so much Rick. it was lovely to chat that was vanessa van feuren she's from Sunlam investment management show me the money <laughs> That was the MoneyWeb Be a Better Investor podcast with Rake for NeCap. Thanks for listening. Catch up and listen to all the MoneyWeb podcasts on moneyweb.co.za or the app. MoneyWeb, your trusted source for business and investment insights.